Tonight, I would like you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of James chapter 4. James chapter 4. And I'll be reading verses 11 and 12. James chapter 4, verse 11. The Bible says, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law, and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. We thank you for giving it to us and how it works in our hearts and in our lives to draw us closer to you, to guide us into your will for our lives. Dear Lord, we are humbled by the fact that you would love us and you would seek to draw us to yourself. I pray tonight as your word goes forth that you would use it to speak to each and every heart. And I pray that each and every heart would be sensitive to respond and to receive what you have for us. Take full control. Give me the words you'll have me to say. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self. Fill me with the precious Holy Spirit. And I pray, dear Lord, that you alone will be honored and glorified and magnified as your word goes forth. May self be hidden. May Jesus Christ be seen. Stir the hearts of every believer. May some lost soul be saved. And we will give you honor and glory for you alone are worthy of it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. When it comes to learning a skill of any kind, we understand that there is what is called theoretical knowledge. In other words, there are some things pertaining to that skill that you must understand. But on the other hand, there's another component to learning in addition to theoretical knowledge, and that is practical application. That is not necessarily the understanding of it, but the doing of it. Understanding and doing, when they go together, they enhance your ability to do what you do effectively. You've heard of my recent exploits in learning to swim at this old age. And one of the things that I've done much is research and listen to others who are teaching and have learned a lot theoretically about swimming and all of the techniques and why you need to do this and why you need to do that and why you need to do all these things to limit drag and all these theoretical things. And when you're looking at all of these explanations, you feel like, you know what, I got it. I'm going to do it. And when you go 
in the water, you realize that was theoretical knowledge. Now the practical application is not working so easily. But when it comes to anything, you can apply that to being a carpenter, being a mason, uh, playing the guitar, playing an instrument. Theoretical knowledge and practical application must go together to be effective. Studying and studying and studying without doing will not get you anywhere. But also, doing without understanding limits your progress and ability to grow. My friend, when it comes to living a vibrant and successful Christian life, it requires that we implement a similar principle. We admonished in God's word to study the word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's important that we study the word of God. It's important that we understand the scriptures. But a most critical part of learning and growing in the word is putting what we have learned into practice. Philippians chapter 2 and verses 12 and 13 echoes this principle. It says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. In other words, when it comes to living the Christian life, of course we are not saved by works. But what the Apostle Paul is simply saying here is that based on what God has placed in your heart, based on what God has done in your life, based on what you know that you ought to do theoretically in order for it to function in your life, you must be willing to work it out. In other words, put the Bible into practice. Amen? When these two components are working together in one's life, the understanding, along with the practical application, spiritual maturity is the result. This matter of spirituality is addressed in James chapter 4. In short, we've looked at this for a number of weeks now, Spirituality is our willingness and ability to respond in obedience to what God says. It's one thing to know what God is saying. It's another thing to be willing and obedient to do it. That is why James also echoes this admonition that we are not just to be hearers of the word, but doers as well. We've looked at James chapter 4 regarding this matter and we've seen that uh, the opening verses of this chapter James deals with what I call a devastating problem. This devastating problem is the problem of sin. My friend, this problem of sin plagues us. 
in doing what God has said. James references here the matter of lust. We have this internal desire to go against God. It's a sin nature. It's a devastating problem. Every problem in, on planet Earth is ultimately linked to the problem of sin. That's what makes sin so devastating. It affects every aspect of life. But thank God, in spite of the devastating problem, because of God's mercy, we have access to a divine push. That, my friend, is the grace of God. Look at how James kind of pivots in verse number six. After describing this devastating problem of sin, he says, but he giveth more grace. Were it not for the grace of God, where would we be? That, my friend, is the push of God to do what we otherwise would not have been capable of doing. Last week, we looked at verses 7 to 10 in what I describe as a definite prescription. In other words, James gives us somewhat of a a blueprint, some, some things that we are responsible for doing if we're going to be spiritual, if we're going to have that ability to do what God is calling us to do. My friend, it's going to be because God is working in our hearts and in our lives, but there's some things that God requires that we do to have access to his power, to his presence. We saw by way of review that there must be submission to to the Savior. Verse number 7 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. It's not going to be done in our own strength. He must be the Lord of our lives. And then we saw you must stand up to Satan. Resist the devil and he will flee. We saw that you must thirdly step towards the Savior. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Notice, fourthly, there must be sanctification and service. God desires to use clean vessels. That should not surprise us. Amen? Fifthly, we noted in verse number nine that we must sorrow over sin. We must have a broken heart when we displease God. And then we saw in verse number 10, we must have a servant spirit. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Tonight I want to focus on verse 11 and 12, of course, in what I call a direct prohibition. A direct prohibition. Understand that the context of these verses is that that, that James wants us to respond to God as he speaks to us. There's some things that, that disrupt our ability to live a wholesome and fulfilling Christian life, especially as it relates to interacting and dealing with others in this thing we call the body of Christ. Notice, first of all, what James says in verse number 11. It says, speak not evil one of another, brethren. 
In other words, when it comes to this direct prohibition, in other words, something that is forbidden, something that we ought not to do, ought not to be named among God's people, here's the direct prohibition. Evil speaking of your brethren. Evil speaking of your brethren. Now, I've I've divided this into three components to help us to understand what is it that we do progressively when it comes to this matter of evil speaking. And he refers to this matter of judging one's brother. He that judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. Now, so this matter of evil speaking involves what is called a judgment. We understand when you go to court and, uh, and, and uh, a judgment is made, it's, a, it's like a declaration that this is so. The gavel comes down and that the judgment is made. That judgment has a, a sense of finality to it in the court. Now understand, when one engages in evil speaking of your brethren, there's a, there's a sense of judgment applied here. That, the, that, that James is, is, is giving a prohibition. He says, speak not evil one of another, brethren. Now, this begins with what I call, for want of a better word, discussing complaints. All right? We discuss complaints of one another. In other words, gossip. Now, here's what makes this forbidden. And I know that this matter of judgment is, is something that I believe is often misunderstood. And I want to help clarify that tonight. Here's what happens. We're going to have complaints about one another. We're going to have things that someone else did that we don't like. We're going to have some things that we did that somebody else did not like. But here's where evil speaking comes into play. When we discuss complaints, it's not spoken about with concern. It's discussed with contempt, disgust, hatred, and malice. And this is why evil speaking is a problem. Because in evil speaking, it is a sign of a problem in the heart for the matter pertaining to one's fellow brother or sister. Now, as I indicated, we are going to have complaints about each other. But to evil speak regarding the matter is sinful. Here's what ought to be done. That matter ought to be discussed with concern even for the brother. Concern for the sister. And as such, when something happens and it, it affects you and you, it's in other words, a complaint that we're going to have, here's what we ought to do. Approach the matter with prayer. That's not often the response. You see, when we approach the matter with prayer, we then are concerned about a resolution. If the matter is going to be discussed, it ought to be discussed with the hope, get this, that God will change the situation. You see, 
when we engage in that approach, we are not evil speaking. And here's what we must understand about evil speaking. That the words we say about others to others has a direct impact on the individuals listening. You ever notice that somebody appears to have a hatred for you, treats you with disdain, and the thing is, you have never had a conversation with the person. You've never interacted with them in your life, but yet they have a huge, massive, or appear to have a big problem with you. You know what that is? That is the result of evil speaking somewhere. This ought not to happen among brethren. Why? Because brethren, we are family. Amen? That, that's what that, that James is saying. Speak not evil one of another. And he, he, he qualified this. Now this doesn't mean that you ought to speak evil of people. But he says, brethren, there's a relationship that we have. Think of what it would do to you. No matter what you've done. But just think for a minute. What it would do to you. If you overheard your family members speaking about you in a derogatory way. In a degrading way. You just happened to be in the vicinity. They didn't know you were there. But they were talking about you. They were complaining about you. And it was just degrading. It would break your heart. Even if it were true. And this is what we are to think about when we are tempted or when we engage in evil speaking. You know, if we think about things that way, it would help us to filter what we say. How would you feel if they actually heard you? If your words were recorded and posted on social media, as much as you figure you're justified and you're right and that's what they did, how would you feel and how would they feel? Would you be proud of your words? Would you be able to justify exactly what you said and defend your words in the eyes of God and before man? That's a good way to filter whether you're evil speaking or not. We discuss complaints. But secondly, here's what happens in this matter of judging and evil speaking. Not only do we discuss complaints, but we decide conclusions. In other words, we conclude the reason why the individual did what they did. That is why it is described as judging. Because we understand the complaint. 
We have the facts about what was done, but we come up with other quote-unquote so-called facts surrounding the situation. And here's the reality of our human existence. We never ever have all of the facts surrounding a situation for which we come up with conclusions. You see, my friend, let me qualify as well on, as we talk about this matter of judgment. Deciding on a conclusion is different than correcting inappropriate behavior. Let me say that again. Coming to a conclusion on a matter regarding an individual or determining how they are and all the facts is different than correcting inappropriate behavior. We are to guide and encourage each other in doing what is right. If you did something that was wrong and somebody says you are not to do that in, in, in alignment with the word of God, that, my friend, is not judging. We are to guide each other. We are to be accountable to each other. When you're corrected, don't say, you're judging me. We ought to do what is right. But when it comes to this matter of judgment, understand what's inappropriate when it comes to evil speaking is the matter of concluding, making, bringing the gavel down on a situation or on a person and coming to a, a firm conclusion. And the problem with evil speaking is that conclusions are formed most often without any attempt to help to provide correction, guidance, resolution to the conflict or problem. It's evil speaking. We decide conclusions. And then here's what happens. We determine condemnations. We determine the consequences that will arise as well. And here's ultimately what happens when it comes to the matter of judging. We end up writing off people. And like when a car gets into an accident, you say, boy, that car done with. Somebody does something, boy, they're done. They, that is judgment. You ever, you, ever, you ever saw somebody and you, the person did something disgusting? It was just the worst thing we could figure ever. Or whether it was, doesn't matter the degree of what was done, how bad. But you ever came to a conclusion and you just said, that person there, they will never, ever, 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 ever change. Ever said that? How you know? That's judgment. Whoever thought that the Apostle Paul would change? Who knew that you would change before you actually did? We must come to grips with the reality that we do not know how the story ends when it comes to people's lives. You know why? We are still in the middle of the movie. You realize that? The credits 
have not been displayed on the screen as yet. It's not over. We determine condemnations. The prohibition, evil speaking of your brethren. But notice, finally tonight, the reason why we are not to enter this space of judgment, of evil speaking, is because we would be entering a space where we don't belong. Look at what verse number 11 says. It says, He that judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law, and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. Verse number 12. There is how many lawgivers? One. One lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Here's why we don't belong in the space to determine the conclusions and the condemnations. We have, my friend, write this down, basic, a basic limitation. What's that limitation? We do not know everything. And because we don't know everything, we are not able to come to the accurate conclusions that we think we come to. We're just simply not omniscient. We do not know thoughts. We do not know motives. We do not know all the circumstances surrounding that action that annoyed and irritated us. Now, I am not saying that we are not to address conflicts as a matter of fact, the Bible gives us a prescription for addressing conflicts among the brethren. God knew that we're going to get our feelings hurt. So he says we are to address it. We are to deal with it. We are to state the offense, state the problem, but seek to correct the action. Don't evil speak to others. Especially others who will not seek to help to remedy the matter. We ought to be solution oriented rather than causing a problem to be worse. If we would have the mindset, boy, listen, this is a big problem. The person responded in a way that that was just unacceptable, inappropriate. Let's respond in a way to help that matter to be solved, not to be worse. That would eliminate 99 to 100%. Well, it would eliminate all gossip. And the matter of gossip, the reality is, if we were recorded, we would not be proud of ourselves. We would be hanging our head in shame. As right as we think we are. But we have this basic limitation. And notice, ironically, in attempting to judge the law, we end up breaking the law. 
You say, how so? Because the same law that we are using to judge, because we don't have all the facts, we end up forming conclusions that are inaccurate. What does that lead to that causes us to break the law? Bearing false witness against another. That's a part of the law. So when we bear false witness because we don't have all the facts, but we think we do, we end up breaking the same law that we're using to judge another. That's why James says, he that speaketh evil of the law, judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. In attempting to use this same law to justify oneself, the individual, because of a basic limitation, ends up breaking the same and here's what happens when we break the law. Write this down. We become liable. We become subject to the consequences and the judgment of the same law. That's why James says here, there's one lawgiver. There's one person who has given the law. There's one person who has all the facts. There's one person who's able to come to to an accurate and righteous conclusion and judgment. Who art thou? We have inherent limitations that hinder our ability to conclude accurately. So he says, in maintaining your spirituality, don't evil speak. Don't judge. And let me qualify once again. This matter of judging is a matter of there's a sense of finality. Boy, they're no good. They're the worst. They'll never change. Rather than seeing a problem, having a conflict, and saying, you know what? Let me deal with this biblically. Let me deal with this scripturally. Maybe in my approach to deal with this matter, this person who's responded inappropriately can learn the right thing to do, can grow in their walk with God. They can understand that that action was inappropriate. They can understand that I was truly hurt by what they did. And respond in a way that will help about reconciliation. James says, when it comes to this matter of spirituality, let me give you a direct prohibition because our inability to deal with conflicts it causes hatred, malice, strife, contention, and all hope of spirituality goes down the tubes. You look at churches where there is strife and contention and disunity 
it revolves around this action of evil speaking. Say, 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 say. But if we would deal with conflicts in a biblical manner, with the goal of resolution, reconciliation, unity, togetherness, we will be able to grow individually and collectively as a body of believers who are loving each other in the Lord. Understanding we have our weaknesses, understanding we have our faults, but loving each other nonetheless. That's the blueprint. That's what God desires for his representatives and for his ambassadors. The devil always looks for an avenue. He looks for a way to be able to inject his hatred and all that he wants to do to disrupt the work of God. No easier way for him to do it than to use hurt feelings and to use conflict to be able to stir up. God has given us a prescription. He's given us the way biblically to deal with it, to keep the church pure, and to keep us in right standing with God. He says there's a direct prohibition. You know this matter of hurt and gossip not dealt with properly can create heart issues that cause us to lose connection with others and more importantly lose touch and connection with God. James says don't evil speak. Don't judge don't write off people. Don't come to firm conclusions without even attempting to help to bring about resolution. He says, if we can get a handle on that, well, we can really grow personally and collectively and see God do amazing things.